0: and welcome back to Single Sounds. My name is Katie Mack and I'm the host and creator of this podcast and the podcast that usually helps you find dates. However, for the month of December, I am doing a how-to series with various experts and this is a bit of a personal topic for me this episode. I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, I recently experienced one of the most significant breakups of my life so far. We'll see if there's any more in store Um, but this episode will help if there are. Um, When we recorded this episode it was still quite fresh but now it's been quite a fair few months and I am really ready to talk about the experience. Actually who am I kidding? I've always spoken about it as it's how I process things but I've become even more passionate about helping others with breakups especially those going through the first few weeks of intense heartbreak. The feelings and the physical side effects that come with it are just indescribable. I was personally shocked at how much my eating habits, sleeping patterns and motivation or productivity was impacted by this breakup and I want this episode to be a resource for people going through it. And to know it will get better. Trust me, I feel so much better. (laughs) And you might even be able to find joy in heartbreak. You might not believe it now, but maybe by the end of the episode you will. So... Joining me today to discuss this topic of breakups and heartbreak couldn't be a more perfect guest. Rosie Wilby, who was called the Queen of Breakups by BBC Radio 4. And Rosie is also an award-winning comedian, author, speaker, and the creator of global hit podcast and book The Breakup Monologues. I have read Rosie's book twice now, and I reread it in the early weeks of my breakup and I found it hugely beneficial and comforting and if you're going through a breakup right now or you are helping a friend through one maybe or you just want to learn more about how to work through a future breakup if the dreaded conversation does happen for all of these situations I hope is going to be immensely valuable to you. Hi, Rosie. Welcome to Single Sounds. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Uh, this is the first time I've recorded an episode in this fancy studio. So, oh, wow. I the know. I'm the first guest. I'm very impressed with the fancy studio. It's very nice. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Let's start with the first question, which will hopefully introduce you to everyone that's listening. What started your quest to investigate, understand, and conquer heartbreak? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was quite a quest So Great topic Yeah, obviously um, you've
1: got your copy here of, of my book The book that looks, um, and Monologues Which is also my own podcast And that all really came about I mean I sort of joke about it When I got dumped by email many years ago Yeah um, And I joke that I felt better once I had corrected her spelling <laughs> But of course in reality When we're dumped a little bit out of the blue like that it really causes us to ask a whole heap of questions like who am i what you know where does my life go from here because the imagined future that you had planned out has suddenly completely altered so it's this complete kind of you know this complete shift in in your life that um you know it can be also painful if you're the person who is planning to break up with somebody, but then you do have more time to adjust. Whereas if you're the person who receives that news, you know, that's that's a very abrupt shock. Um, and as we'll discuss, that that can be a good thing in the long run because you might be free of a relationship that wasn't working and you might actually find energy and the opportunity to sort of reinvent yourself. But in that very short term, it feels like absolutely yeah, oh. the world. And so <laughs> I didn't feel that we had enough conversations about breakups. Certainly um a few years ago when I when I started the podcast, um I was I was a comedian and I had done a trilogy of solo shows about love and relationships and the psychology of love because the science of all that really fascinates me. And um I know a lot of kind of scientists and academics who who do investigate this stuff as as their sort of real day job. So I was accumulating a lot of interesting content about how love works, what it does to us, what's going on in the brain when we meet somebody that we're attracted to. And so it made sense really to to kind of start something with a particular focus on breakups and start that conversation and to help people feel like they're less alone.
0: 100%. I recently reread your book because I went through a breakup two months ago. As context to you, I know it still feels quite fresh actually, I thought when we booked this in I thought oh I'll be like a bit more comfortable to talk about it <laughs> when actually like this weekend's been a bit of a mess I've still been crying about oh, it no. and it just I think it really shows that the pain and I was um as you described earlier the person that was quite blindsided by the decision yeah right and I actually had a physical reaction which I've never had before I blacked out Oh When I got yeah. told, yeah. yeah. I, I honestly had to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to faint. And I had to get down on the floor, which was <laughs> yeah. quite dramatic. And I've never experienced that. And I didn't realize that that's what could happen. But I think my, because we lived together and it was the first partner I lived with, I think my yeah. whole brain was just flooded with alarm bells of... What do I do? Like yeah, what's next? It's a hugely stressful situation. And yeah, like you say, if you're
1: not the one who's expecting it, mm. then we do go into a shock. There are real physical symptoms, yeah. physiological symptoms. Um broken heart syndrome is a real It's real recognized yeah. medical condition. Um, you know, similar to a heart attack. And I've heard of people feeling like their their skin is falling off or
0: yeah. they're Yeah, just they can't sleep, they can't eat. Yeah, I couldn't sleep or eat for at least a week. The sleeping was really bad. I actually think that lasted three weeks for me. I was basically just like, I had insomnia. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't go to sleep before 4am. It was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, you can't sort of feel calm because, yeah, your sort of agency in the world has been taken away Mm. a bit, Um, especially if you feel... You had no say at all. Like the other person just made a sort of unilateral decision, yeah. Um, and there was really no discussion at all. Um, yeah, it it will feel like essentially withdrawing from a drug, yeah. Um, because we chemically become addicted to our partners. The longer we've been together, the more the more addictive opiates are, are released. So, yeah, you will feel that you're very dependent on that person, even though, of course. As time goes on, we realise how independent, how strong we are. And in particular, lots of women have shared stories with me of starting incredible new adventures, new careers, new hobbies, new lives, new things that they didn't really have the headspace or time for when they were in that relationship.
0: No, I really enjoyed that section of your book to kind of show that you now can fully focus on yourself and that is what when you have the energy that is what you can put your energy into because I think a lot of people said that really early to me in the first few weeks they were like this is great now you can focus on the podcast you can yeah you know do all these great things and I was like yes in a, in a bit in a bit though <laughs> Like, I still think you need to give yourself like a few weeks I found work maybe because my work was so t- closely tied to dating yeah, yeah. That content. <laughs> it's a bit it was to me it was quite hard six. to like, like, start recording again um but as soon as I did, actually, I found it quite reassuring to like chat to people about it, how you found sharing your breakup stories. Um, I was obviously interviewing single people and that was a big kind of reassurance to me. Mm-hmm. Actually, I found being with other single people a real support and, you know, sharing stories. And I'm still struggling a little bit being in the company of couples, which is <laughs> something that I actually anticipated. I feel was... a bit bad saying that, but. No, no, it not really <laughs> feel bad. <laughs> I mean, ugh. Sometimes I feel
1: I don't really want to be in the company of couples and I'm in a couple. What's that? (laughs) I'm like, couples are just so dull, aren't they? I think people on their own as their individual self uh, are always more authentic than, you know, even if you're in a healthy and really good relationship, there's just that bit of like, if you're sharing a story, there's a very high chance that the person you're with knows that story as well. And couples do that thing where they kind of go, oh, well, I'll let you tell the story. And yeah. I think, no, I want to hear you tell it. Okay. Yeah. And now you're like sort of defer, you know, and often women defer, you know, to, to a male partner and sort of go, oh, well, he'll, he'll tell it. how funny at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, no, no, you tell it. You tell your story. It's your story. Yeah. Um, so I do think that, yeah,
0: couples, couples can be annoying, can't they? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just no, say it. Very- even though I was one for like three and a half years I do agree And I think I was quite good at making sure That I still saw my friends yeah. individually That's something I've learned from other breakups Which I liked how you kind of Discussed that in the book How you can learn from each breakup You learn, you know Definitely in the past I've maybe not kept up with my friends so much In an individual sense If I've always met with my partner And that I think can lead to some over dependence and then when the inevitable breakup happens then you're like oh now now I feel like I'm reaching out unexpectedly and it kind of feels like you're crawling back whereas this relationship I did that much better I think once it happened people were very quick to support me because they felt like they were more not necessarily on my side but they were just in my corner because I kept them as my own friends.
1: Yeah you kept you kept they're putting the effort in, the because mm. those friendships, are relationships too. But I think what is particularly complicated that I've noticed recently is when your friends all become friends with your partner as well, Yeah, um, which is to some extent going to be inevitable. But I think in my, my world as a gay woman, um, when we're all women, you will sort of naturally think, oh, well, we'll all just be friends. But then in yeah. a way, I'm like, but hang on a minute, you know, I need to keep my friends, I need to keep some kind of one-on-one contact with, with my friends that I've had for years and years and years because what if things do get wrong or what if my wife and I, we've just had an argument and I want to just have that space to vent mm-hmm. a little bit about it. Yeah, you need- It's really healthy to have that even if you're going to stay together and you're not breaking up. Um, I want to meet up with my old mates and say, God, she's been all right for him today. Um, But if they're really good friends with her, it's like... You're putting
0: them in the middle. Yeah, Yeah. so
1: I think these dynamics can be really, really complex.
0: Yeah, Yeah. we we definitely had that in the initial phases. Some of his friends did reach out. And um, I think how I explained it to him was because I was the person that didn't have the choice, it was almost like I got fired from my job. Whereas he quit, and I feel like no one feels sorry for the person who quit their job because you think you did it out of choice. Do you know what I mean? You think you did it for the right reasons. Whereas if you're fired or made redundant, everyone feels terrible for you because that choice was taken away. So I think he was quite confused as to why I was getting maybe more sympathy from his yeah. own friendship groups than he was. And I think it was more also then saying... Like half a goodbye as well, being like, it's been really nice to know you and I'm sad for you. But also like, this is probably, I'm probably not going to see you again. Mm. Um, So I think that's why initially maybe the the dumpy gets more sympathy from from both sets of friends.
1: Yes, I think that's really interesting.
0: Um, Although, I mean,
1: you could argue that um, in a relationship or in a job, the situation has been made so toxic that someone feels they have no choice but to leave and then they're still painted as the bad person mm. if you know what i mean yeah um you know i think we've all been in really unhealthy work environments where we feel like oh my god you know just, i've got to get out of here yeah um and yeah maybe you'll have less sympathy than if you get made redundant you might even get less money you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah there is this sort of there is quite a quite a history of sort of passive aggressive breakups where mm-hmm. somebody just behaves badly and makes the other person sort of do the leaving. Yeah, so, so, so it's not always a simple, straightforward binary, is it? No, not. So I, I'm with you. I generally think. You know, yeah, I like sort I of most people are nice. Dumpers yeah. who were lovely and didn't deserve that, and and boo to the dumpers
0: who yeah. were, you know, being horrible and and ruthless. But no, it's a good point it, that you complex. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's always nuances. Yeah, um, and obviously, yeah, it should be celebrated if you leave a bad situation, ship mm. a bad, or oh, sorry, bad situation, just bad situation. Yeah, <laughs> let's move on oh yeah, I really like this bit of the book because it made me really think about all my past breakups and the reasons for all of them. (laughs) And you list seven big reasons why people do break up. And I thought it'd be really good just to chat through them. It was interesting. I think for me, often the breakups fit a few of the points, not just one. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Which was really interesting just to like process in my brain and decide, okay... Yeah, I I didn't really get decent closure from the last breakup. It was very much like, you've done nothing wrong. I'm just, my heart's not in it anymore. And that was really hard to, to yeah. know what how to do, do we, with. Yeah, how do we process that? And that's no one's that. fault. Nothing it's terrible
1: not, has happened. It's not like you can comfort yourself by kind of going, oh, well, that person was
0: awful, yeah. just really terrible. So, that's easier, I think. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, you know, I'm better off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly but then when i was going through the points i was like actually we did have some issues there and some issues there and so yeah i just thought it'd be good to chat through them yeah well yes there are there are seven reasons that
1: well actually a friend of mine uh, another author had identified and so as a bit of fun in the introduction to the book i go through all my past breakups and sort of try and categorize them but by far and away the sort of highest reason for breakups is some kind of sexual problem, including mismatched libidos and affairs. And yeah, I think sex will pretty much play some kind of a role in pretty much all breakups and all relationship issues, whether that's um, a couple no longer having sex, which is really, really common because... Uh, when we meet somebody, we are on this real high. Uh, there are all these amazing reward chemicals flooding our brains, um, dopamine, and oxytocin. And we do acclimatize to those chemicals like we do to any drug. And the levels sort of settle to a more kind of humdrum state. And we're just living together and, yeah. you know, mucking along together and going out to work. And, you know, <laughs> and you get hatching. tired. <laughs> Um, yeah, you have to come out of that honeymoon phase because you have to get on with life. You have to go to work. You have to, yeah. you know, in, in sort of primitive terms, in terms of how our brains and these uh, somewhat primal systems that that bond us together, you know, how those systems developed uh, relating to sort of years ago, you know, when uh, we were just looking at protecting our our children and bringing them up into the world just about long enough, and obviously we used to die much much, much sooner, yeah, much younger. Um, so now we've got much longer lives, and our relationships are, are much more complicated. But some of these kind of primitive and primal systems in the brain, are, you know, still the same. Still so we we yeah. kind of wired in this weird way, like oh, you know, I need to sort of focus on this person for a while, and you know, we have children and we send them out into the world and. And I'll probably be dead anyway. <laughs> Whereas now, you know, particularly sort of um, women wouldn't have been expected to have much of a life sort of post-menopause if they even mm-hmm. got to that. And now there's this whole new new kind of life that that we have where, you know, many people feel it is a new beginning. Yeah. Maybe, you know, when they've had children and they've gone off to university or, or whatever. Um, and you do see sort of the, the largest um, sort of surge in divorce and breakup statistics is actually in those sort of midlife women who are leaving their husbands um, to go off on new adventures. But I think sex, yeah, plays a huge role in that because perhaps when we reach a certain point in life, we rethink our desires, our maybe even our sexual orientations, but who we're attracted to, what we need, what we want. Um, you know when. Many heterosexual women are younger. Their sort of primary driver towards looking for a partner, it's sort of the the big tick box that they're looking to check off, is is this going to be a good father to my children? Mm. Is this a good person to have kids with? Whereas, once their kids are safe and adult and off in the world, maybe your priority should they're
0: checked. gonna.
1: Yeah. T- be attracted to somebody else. Completely different. Um, there's There's been quite a trend of late-blooming lesbians and yeah. women who've uh, been married to a man then sort of be attracted to to women later in life. Yeah. Um, that Maybe just been, never explored it. Never yeah, sure explored right. it because, of course, the world was very different. And there weren't very many rights or kind of recognition for, for queerness, for gay women. Um, so, so yeah, people are on a, a longer journey now with this longer lifespan, and sex is our sexual desires are not such that we are very good at being monogamous. Certainly not for that longer period of time. Yeah. So, if, as we do in the Western world, we assume that the majority of relationships are sexually exclusive, then we're really setting ourselves up for a life of more serial monogamy. I mean, I I look at this. In, in my first book which came before the breakup monologues that was called Is Monogamy Dead? And, you know, I'm sort of looking at how, you know, does serial monogamy and having one relationship after another still count as monogamy really because that comes from the Greek monoskamos, one marriage mm-hmm. for life whereas what we
0: now kind of mean is one marriage at a time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so true. We've all had multiple sexual partners yeah. you would assume mostly nowadays. Mostly. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: You know, some people are asexual. Of course, yeah, they might have a very different um, sort of driver. But you know, that's again, that's on a spectrum. A lot of um, asexual people have deeply romantic relationships, mm. deeply attached, deeply connected, and they still desire a partner. Yeah. yeah, and they, yeah, and they still desire a partner, but on a sort of different kind of strand of yeah. of desire that that is sort of interconnected with sex and sexuality. And you know, they might still have sex in in some kind of form. Um, But yeah, it won't be the primary driver to why they're attracted to a particular partner.
0: I think for myself, a lot of the conversation around how much sex you should be having in a long-term relationship is very wrong and people don't, no one really knows what the accepted or right amount is because there isn't, it's very subjective, right? Oh my God, absolutely. You know, if there was some kind of prescribed this is how much
1: sex you should be having <laughs> be and great. if you're not having that, then you should break up, then pretty much every married couple around the world would probably divorce instantly <laughs> yeah. because they'd be like, well we're not having that much sex. Um You know, because it is just, once you've had children or if you have, you know, just other commitments, like you know, my wife and I, we have pets and mm-hmm. they take a lot of our attention and, you know, the dog you know, maybe you're like thinking, oh,
0: you know, they're in the room.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah, the cat actually. Cats really stare at you when, they yeah. se- when you're having sex. Um, it's, it's really weird. They're real pervs, actually, cats. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Whereas the dog, we do tend to shut out the room because she feels more like our baby, whereas the cat feels more grown up. Yeah, there's much more independent it all and she's independent. But yeah, the dog will just sort of cry outside the door. And it's not always the most sort of arousing. Yeah. No.
0: It's not really setting the scene.
1: Yeah. But but yes, yeah, so sex is is kind of number one on that list. Um, because of course, you know, related to this problem of uh of sexual fidelity, we, we have affairs, we have cheating. Um, however you decide you define that. So uh so yeah, I would say that in some ways, sex probably informs pretty much all all breakups, whether it's someone wants to have sex with somebody else, uh, someone has had sex with somebody else, or neither people want sex with, with each, each other, other yeah. or, or or not even, or even at all, you know. Yeah. Um, later in life, like I say, I've mentioned women going through menopause and those kind of life changes, for some time, sexual desire might really... You know, really, really drop, really fall through the floor. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about some of the others, perhaps, and
0: slightly less. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it well, was the big sex one. Sex is the big one. No, was is is the big one. one, and I guess it's because that is the main for most people differentiation between a romantic relationship and just a friendship. It is, although I. Again, I sort of
1: like to push the boundaries of these kind of questions and and did in particular in the first book and kind of think, why is sex the thing that defines that this is a romantic relationship? And we mentioned asexual people. I guess they must define it in a completely, completely different, different kind of a way. Um, and I also think it's quite interesting because... There are a lot of heterosexual women who have very romantic friendships. Mm. And I kind of think, I look at some of those relationships and I think, wow, that relationship is just as close and intimate and connected as most of my relationships that I've had that haven't involved sex and that I've regarded as romantic relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I look at what sort of secrets, you know, to straight girlfriends in inverted commas share with each other and I think wow you know that's like it is like a relationship really um, even though it's not sexual and it was interesting how one of my um, podcast guests we sort of had a bit of a chat sort of off, off air where she was quite candid about some of the things her husband had said when his affair was revealed and he said that Because she'd had this close relationship with her best friend, he had felt a need to sort of try and have something like that himself. Now, I'm not saying for a million years that it's a sort of justifiable way to do it, to go out and cheat and have an affair and lie about it. But I do kind of see a logic in, had he gone to his wife and said, I actually feel like you have this other relationship, Mm -hmm. which is, that's fine, but I feel like I'd like to have other closeness, other intimacy, other people in in my life too. And they maybe talked about an open relationship or something because probably the only way anyone except a heterosexual woman is going to replicate that kind of closeness that straight BFFs yeah. have is to have some form of romantic relationship. I think for men and for gay people, I think the boundaries when you're trying to have a connection like that the boundaries are more blurred, and sex does come into it. Um, and I think you only see an equivalent sort of closeness to those BFF relationships when when you see it being becoming sexual in some way. And so it's more of a sort of polyamorous situation, um, maybe. So, so I kind of think that there's something in that argument that you know um, maybe if he'd gone to his wife and said. You know, could we sort of explore the boundaries of what our relationship, what our marriage is yeah. and what, you know, how I could go and explore kind of connecting with other people and becoming, you know, hopefully a better, more fulfilled, happier partner to really bring energy and love Back into our marriage, there might have been an argument for that. As it is, if you've gone and had an affair and you've yeah. lied, then you kind of haven't got a leg to stand on. Yeah. But, but the discussion first would have been an think, interesting way to that's go about. It's an on. interesting discussion that if it was handled properly. Mm. Could be could be super interesting. Anyway, but we're just yeah. talking more about sex, and I'll quickly whiz <laughs> through the other um, reasons. So there was incompatibility around money, yeah, which I think is a, a, another really interesting one. Domestic issues arising from living together. Well, there's so much there about so much there, yeah. who puts the bins out, <laughs> who cooks, who cleans, who does all this stuff. So there's so much about that kind of negotiation. Uh, drug and alcohol addiction was another one, which I think can be a big big thing. Um, untreated mental health conditions, and I think there are so many mental health conditions that people aren't even aware of. So um, that's a big one. Um, abuse, obviously, physical, verbal, or emotional, and sometimes the emotional abuse is very nuanced. We don't even yeah, it's hard understand to nice that we're being when you're in it yourself. Yeah, I mean, the whole gaslighting thing it has been a fairly recent phenomenon that yes. you know has gone on forever, but we talk about it now uh, well, Yeah, it's got a name yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, and the other one was conflicts over autonomy and intimacy which is slightly more tricky one to, to kind of understand but I think it somewhat relates back to what I was saying about how couples um, kind of merge a bit and start telling one another's stories and we lose our sense of autonomy we lose our sense of self in within a couple because culturally we're conditioned to think that this other person completes us and maybe we're incomplete on our own, which is yeah. obviously a complete load of nonsense. Oh, yeah, I hate that
0: saying. I hate, <laughs> it's rubbish. As I really hate the saying, my other half. Oh, my God. I just think it's so, I don't know, like, what, you're half without someone. That's just, do your whole and they're the extra. I don't know. Yeah. It just really, it really grinds my gears. Every time I hear it, I just cringe a bit. I'm like, oh, no, don't like yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Well, I remember um, just before we, we started recording, I was chatting about how, When my first book came out, I was on the High Low podcast with with Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. And what was really interesting about them was they felt they had two different views on being single versus being in a couple. And for Pandora, being in a couple really nurtured her and boosted her and made her feel bigger and better and a a larger version of herself. Whereas for Dolly, being single was that. And so being in a couple slightly sometimes diminished her or she, I I'm I don't know, she's
0: so big and successful now. She so is. she's she's probably just doing amazing like all of the time now. Um but I guess a lot of her work came from exploring that sense of loneliness. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I I feel like I'm quite a mix. I do feel like when I'm um, single I definitely lose more weight. <laughs> like they think that that's a good thing. I don't know what No, I think it's more just I have more time on my hands so I choose to go to the the gym a lot more than I would because if I have a free evening, which I think you do a lot more when you're single, that's what I'll choose to do with my time. Whereas when I'm in a couple, I'm happy just to relax at home because I have someone there and I don't feel like I need to leave the house as much. So I think that's interesting. But in terms of work, I started the podcast when I was in a relationship and I felt very, I guess, safe and or maybe safe to be creative and put myself out there a bit more. But now, now I'm single again. I'm like actually, it's given a bit maybe like a new lease of life. Yeah. So yeah, it, I think it it's really large. interesting because we're similar in a way in that I started the breakup
1: monologues, the podcast, and then wrote the book when I was in a relationship. But people find that curious
0: sometimes, mm-hmm. and maybe you found the same. I got but, yeah, I got asked a lot like, why like, are you why? doing a dating podcast? But you're in a relationship, yeah, yeah. Like, why are you helping out single people? It's like, well, <laughs> because I'm nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because I think it, it's, it's, I think kind it's more of, you can't kind of remember thing. what position you were in exactly, and,
1: and I might be again. I, oh, I am. <laughs> well, yeah. I, well, exactly. But you, I mean, any of us could be. God knows yeah, what's going to happen. You know, I, I don't think anything is is guaranteed, and you shouldn't assume that relationships last forever. I'm not even sure, even though I've got married. I'm not sure
0: it's even healthy to assume that they're going to... I agree, but then you're assuming that no one's ever going to develop and change. Yeah, yeah. And we're constantly evolving.
1: Yeah, I mean, growing apart is still growth. And if it happens, we'll have to recognize that, do we have a different type of marriage where we live quite separate lives, but still have some kind of support
0: base, you know, and home together or... yeah. That was another really lovely point that I liked in your book, how you went through your challenges of not wanting to share a bed. (laughs) Because that was something, especially in my last relationship, that we struggled with because he was a bad sleeper. And he really needed his sleep. And me in the bed just wasn't... He just didn't get the same quality of sleep. But we both had such a funny stigma around... Not sleeping together, like sleeping in separate beds, and if we wanted to do that, we'd kind of have to ask the other one permission. Like it was a really interesting thing. So you had to ask permission to sleep in a separate. Exactly. So I had to say, like, would you mind if I slept in the other bed, not to kind of insult the other person. Yeah. Who was asking, you or him? (laughs) Mostly him, because I sleep really well, so it didn't bother me as much. Okay. And what did you feel when he asked? I I normally this is and this is maybe. Something that I've learned, a growth point, is I usually wanted a reason. I wanted to be oh. like, "What? Why today?" Do you know what I mean? Why, like, so if he said, "Because I've got a really
1: early start and I've got this important meeting,"
0: or yeah, or, or audition, I've had or whatever, We'll sleep for the past three nights. And I know. Do you know to, what I mean? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think otherwise, I is probably like an insecurity of me. I felt like he was just choosing to be away because, okay, yeah. of maybe. Another reason, maybe he was actually just genuinely like unhappy with what something I'd done or something I'd said. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to know that it wasn't something that I'd caused like upset maybe or... Okay. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's all the sort of social and cultural
1: conditioning we have around beds, I suppose. Exactly. But if it's... people are interested in this, um, there's a recent episode of my podcast where... Florence Schechter, who's the founder of the Vagina Museum. Yeah, nice. She spoke and she told me that the sort of history of beds is quite interesting and how it's only really a fairly modern phenomenon that we think of sleeping in the same bed as, you know, a good thing that you're supposed to do because, you know, decades, centuries yeah, ago. Yeah, they all had separate beds. They all had yeah. separate beds and and it was a sign of your wealth. Like mm. it was a good to have thing. your own room. If yeah. you had your own room, that was amazing. Queen Because it exactly. Of course, the Queen had her own room. You know, um but yeah, if you if you all well, if you slept with your partner, you're probably sleeping with all your children as well. Mm. Because it was it was economic, you know, how many beds you had, that was yeah. purely defined by by what your sort of what your money situation you're was. Status, yeah. So yeah. So it, yeah, you could uh, you could argue that um, why not? At sort of la- be in the life of, the of luxury, like a yeah. queen, and have your own <laughs> bed, and you know, because you've got all your royal duties to, uh, <laughs> to do the following day, so you need to have a proper proper bed rest. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting the whole uh, yeah sort of autonomy kind of thing. I mean, I feel like you know when you're asleep, that is your time mm. to dream, and you know we all dream about. Falling in love with or having sex with other people—that's yeah. just our subconscious. We can't control that. But I sort of feel less. It's weird. I feel less guilty about it. If mm. I'm in a separate bed, <laughs> yeah. It feels weird if you wake up next to me, like, oh, I just had this Ooh, yeah. really saucy Are dream you about my ex. Them? Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that is horrible. You feel really guilty, and you turn over, and you're like, oh.
1: <laughs> but I think it's more about whether I don't think it matters if you want to sleep in a separate room. I I think that is fine. It's more about whether you're present when you're both awake,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and you're both you know out on a date or doing stuff together,
0: yeah. And I think you can still have like some together bedtime before you leave for the separate room. I mean, yeah, yeah, I course. think that was like a good balance. You can have a cuddle you exactly. Can... You can still do that element of the pillow talk because I think that was the bit that I didn't want to lose. Course. and I had a habit of over oversharing at that point in bed it's some I don't know what it is it's something about being in bed <laughs> and like being in the darkness that just makes me want to tell my partner about my day even though I could have done it okay throughout the evening there's just something about being in bed that makes me want to talk more and so yeah <laughs> and he's probably like Oh, my God, I want to get to sleep. Yeah, he'd tell me, and he'd call it newt-newt time. And he'd be like, you get 10 minutes of deep-newt time. (laughs) So I had 10 minutes to, like, ramble on about whatever I wanted to ramble on about. And then he was like, "Right now, it's sleep time." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's healthy. Setting a boundary. <laughs> Boundaries, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's interesting. Um, I'm starting. I'm starting to see some reasons why maybe this relationship <laughs> didn't, didn't work. Out. here. <laughs> maybe there were <was> some incompatibilities. <laughs> <laughs> and exactly. I mean, I don't think anyone's perfect, but no, no. yeah. And that's quite funny, though. Ne- Neat time is what what ruined everything. <laughs> 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 so. What would you say are the top things to do straight after you've had that dreaded conversation? Oh, God. Well, (laughs) I would say phone a friend.
1: Yes. That was the first thing I did, actually. Yeah, I I think so. I think for most people, just reach out to somebody that you trust, somebody that you love, somebody Mm. that you know is supportive, is going to hear you, is going to be on your side. And just let you cry, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and just let you say and
0: explore whatever you need to say and explore. Yeah. I actually went straight over to a friend's house. I rang her. It was really late at night and she was like, getting on a flight at 4am, but just come.
1: Oh, was <laughs> well, Yeah, that, that's
0: lovely. That's the best kind of friend, isn't
1: it? I, after my big breakup, there was a um, yeah friend of mine that I rang and she was, um, yeah, I mean, we were not like dead, dead near each other in London. She, you know, had to get like a bus and a tube or something. She's like, I'm coming. You know, so yeah. it's like, it's just so nice to know so that, nice. that that you're going to... I mean, of course, in the pandemic, people didn't get to necessarily meet up and hug and stuff, yeah. but could uh, obviously still phone people, but
0: it's not quite the it's same. It's quite the same. Yeah, I agreed. I think that would have been really tough. Yeah. And it kind of relates, actually. Is there a preferred method of how to break the news to friends, family and your wider network? So this is something I struggled with a bit this time round. I decided... I told people that I loved and trusted and, you know, but then I kind of said to them, can you spread the word for me? Because I didn't <laughs> want to go through the conversation a million yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I wondered if you had any advice on that. Yeah, I think it's
1: difficult, isn't it? Saying goodbye to that person's friends and family and, you know, mm. your sort of networks all change. And also I think mutual friends can be sad about your breakup as well because that changes uh, their lives the dynamic of of the group you know often breaks up a a whole friendship group so yeah sometimes you do feel a little bit of guilt that you're you know even though no one's going to be hurting quite like you are you're sort of causing other people a bit of sadness as well because they'll be like my God, I loved us all
0: hanging out together yeah, and, oh, it's all going to change. I definitely got told that as well. People were like, oh, I'm I'm sad that, you know, we won't get to do that again. I did some trips away with another couple. See, that? that's now broken. I have to find another couple to go on holiday <laughs> with. They want to do a couple's holiday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think just, yeah, take, take
1: your time. And um, there's no, with all of these things, and I think something else we're going to talk about is there's no timeline, you know, that you have to do things
0: in this kind of sequence, uh, in this yeah, order and... Exactly. That was interesting because I felt like some people maybe take offence if they're not one of the first people to know. And I think that was something I had to juggle, me trying to think through while I was also in some kind of chaos in my mind of upset. But then also I had to try and think of other people and be like, oh, who would be upset not to find this out via me or not in the first day? Two days, week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean,
1: obviously what a lot of people do now is a social media. Uh,
0: oh, yeah, posts. I didn't do that. There's no chance. Uh, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe like it's... Like a celebrity couple when they have to announce it. I was yeah, like, yeah, no way. A
1: lot of people do that. I mean, particularly on... Maybe it's more of a Facebook thing. So perhaps mm. as everyone shifts more to like Insta and TikTok and TikTok, different yeah. platforms, it's it's not quite the same. But certainly obviously i've been quite active on social media in in the years that facebook was sort of the main one it was the main kind of community um in the sort of you know kind of really took off didn't it, in the mid-naughties yeah um when i was starting my comedy career and so all my comedy friends um and fellow comedians and peers and colleagues were all my facebook community my facebook friends so yeah you'd often see someone doing (laughs) quite a a sort of considered and lengthy post maybe a few days afterwards saying yeah. oh you know we're really sorry to them. announce that you know we're not together as anymore as a joint post yeah 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 <laughs> but that that's been the way how i found out about a lot of yeah you know people who are not like immediate close friends that might tell me personally but um you know sort of friends in a sort of layer beyond that that's often how i have found out and i think i think that's okay mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I can think be quite helps a you. good way of doing it because it's quite cathartic to write something like that and, and sort of it gives you the space to reflect and think about the reasons rather than be in a face-to-face conversation with somebody when you might be triggered or upset and if you're having to have that conversation over and over again. Yeah. Whereas if you do one post and you're sort of a bit tearful when you're writing it, but it's actually quite cathartic and then you know loads of people will see it.
0: And people will probably share, reach, not reach post it, but then like... <laughs> share it to other people being like, did you see this? Because often my oh. friends will message me a screenshot of something being like, oh, did you know this? Did you know? And normally it's happier news being like, oh, did you see someone got married, engaged, or got a new yeah. job? Or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I do think people then naturally help spread it a bit more, mm. just through the algorithm as well, by liking, commenting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do, it wasn't something that I would have done, but I do think you're right. I think maybe that's because an Instagram post would have felt very off-brand <laughs> yeah Instagram. i did do a tiktok series though but that was more uh, okay i did like a a few weeks post breakup tiktok series but that was more just for me because it was cathartic to say like i'm not doing so good but this is what i'm trying to do to help and i thought it might help other people especially in the initial like early weeks when i was really struggling
1: yeah no i think that sounds really good and i think that's yeah, yeah. i think that's a reasonable way to, to sort of let wider networks of people who
0: know you yeah where, where you're where you're at <laughs> but, I did choose TikTok because I have way less friends on there so I don't know if that worked but yeah, I was a, just like it is a funny one isn't this. It?
1: <laughs> but it definitely makes you think about what we use different social media platforms for because it it does feel much more like a Facebooky thing than Instagram but I don't yeah.
0: know why I don't know why because it's exactly the same really you could still write words on Instagram mm. yeah yeah it's interesting do you have any advice for people who didn't get any closure from their breakup Yes. Um, And I would say
1: if you're a long way out from the end of the relationship, like several years, Mm. and there's still something unresolved, it's possibly good to reach out to a therapist or a professional who can help you unpack what that breakup, what that relationship triggered, what they reminded you of why that person maybe felt like the one and why they seem irreplaceable, Um, you know, there there might be some kind of trauma bond or something that you need to dig into and kind of go, oh, okay, that's because, you know, this person represented something, you know, I don't know, a parent or, you know, something that you hadn't even made the connection and you're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's something Um, deeper. Yeah, not actually related to the situation. Yeah. So, so there could, there could be something going on for you, or it could be that that person was just really awful and treated you really badly and in a way that you didn't deserve. And sometimes I think we don't move forward when we don't know the full story. Mm. Um, For example, when I got dumped by email, um, even though, you know now i think about it and i think it was actually quite a sweet email it was quite quaint and and you know she did sort of try and talk about the good parts of our relationship but also the reasons why it, it just wasn't tenable yeah, for her anymore and you know she have tried it. yeah uh, and kind it of was have it as something you could reread yeah and it wasn't, she was just ghost me which of course would happen now yeah. uh, but at the time i was like oh you know I didn't want to be broken up with by email. I kind of thought it warranted a face-to-face conversation after five years together. But I think our culture is shifting so quickly around kind of breakups and how we treat people. And obviously, there's a whole ethical debate about, you know, what what is okay. Um, yeah, I think I've learned there's definitely a kind way to break up with people. I, I definitely think so. But what is interesting about that breakup is even though you know, she tried her best. She was not giving me the full picture because, um, and I think this was out of a sort of misguided attempt at compassion and kindness. Mm-hmm. She didn't tell me that there, there was essentially an overlap, but also she didn't want to sort of feel bad about herself and feel in some way like she was betraying me. Um, and as we've discussed, monogamy, complicated relationships complicated it's not necessarily possible to stay in love with one person forever exclusively so there was this overlap not yeah it wasn't like um you know like i was talking about you know a friend of mine's husband who'd had an affair for years you know it wasn't like that kind of scenario but it was enough for me to for all the years until i knew exactly what had happened for me to kind of wonder and think well something wasn't right yeah there was something I didn't know. there was something a bit off, and there's something I wasn't filled in on, and that that sort of doubt, I think can really mess with your head. so I think, um, yeah, I think sort of finding out, and bizarrely, we were talking about Facebook, it was Facebook that really put me in the picture because there was there was some kind of that yeah anniversary things that like mm. came up and <laughs> it didn't quite uh, mind. <laughs> her, yeah, exactly her new partner had said, Oh happy anniversary and it was like Hang on. <laughs> um so yeah, I, I think yeah, there's, there's possibly something that you don't know about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, you may need to talk it through with either a professional person or or, you know, your really good friends. I'm but you. yeah, if they're really good friends, they'll understand that there's no timeline and they shouldn't be friends who are saying like come on now
0: get over this now you know you've had your time i think what really helped for me i actually saw this advice online and i thought when i read it i was like oh that's quite silly but you know what i was in the point where i wanted to try anything (laughs) and i was like this isn't it doesn't take me much time so they said just to write a physical pros and cons list if you don't have necessarily like all the closure that you want but then as you start writing out the cons, and I'm still writing them out nine weeks <laughs> later, genuinely, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he just did something to upset me and I broke that down as a con. Um, <laughs> it was a miscommunication that, yeah, calendars, texting at the wrong time. And it led to me remem- remembering that he's very forgetful and that's something that maybe, you know, it was a con and something I'd look for in the future, not a partner that wasn't so forgetful. But um, <laughs> it's really helped me to list out just from my perspective why it wasn't right exactly what 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 maybe wasn't quite right and what i'd quite like in a future partner and that's great they're not always like the mind on what what you do
1: want but also it's um called a negative reappraisal strategy when you look at the negatives about a a relationship and a lot of psychologists psychotherapists would absolutely recommend that yeah that clear-sightedness about the reasons why it was it was not the right person for you exactly. as opposed to all the rose tinted stuff the yeah. nostalgia of looking back at the good bits yeah. that that can be nice in time but i think in the sort of in the period of time when you're struggling yeah. thinking about the negatives and reminding yourself of those is is particularly healthy and i remember in the book i talk about when i did a, a little sort of performance workshop with this performance artist Stacey makishi And we were looking at breakups and how you sort of represent them visually. And she said, well, I'm going to pop out the room and you've got to do something visually that represents uh, a breakup and sort of how you feel. And I found, you know, there's all her bits and bobs dotted about the room. And I found an envelope of old photos, like so, you know, old school photos, like Mm -hmm. when you used to go and get them developed and get them printed. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I sort of just lay on the floor and covered myself in these photos because we can feel we're sort of suffocated by an
0: avalanche yeah. of memories. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Very good symbolism. I, don't, I was thinking, I was like, I have no idea what I'd do other than maybe just like get under the table. <laughs> I was thinking, like, what's around? Like, just hide. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, your book subtitle is The Unexpected Joy of Heartbreak. What I would did? you say? Oh, are <laughs> the positives of going through a breakup. Well, we touched on this earlier, I think. A little bit, yeah. I spoke to a number of
1: women who had, after a breakup, found they had the time and headspace to Mm -hmm. reinvent themselves, try new careers, new hobbies, go traveling, go to new places, make new friends, and ultimately maybe begin new relationships or just really, really thrive and enjoy being single. So there is that possibility of the new Mm -hmm. start. And for that reason, I wrote the first half of the breakup monologues in a sort of backwards timeline and the second half in a forwards timeline to give this sense that the end of something is always the beginning of a new chapter. And there's this um, illustration of like a butterfly painting because the prologue is called The Butterfly Painting. And um, for that reason, that sort of it's like the symmetry of, of kind of going backwards through that half, the relationship, and then forwards through through the same time period, but perhaps with a different kind of perspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's like that middle bit of when does it, when do you shift from constantly kind of like looking back and then you get to a new point where you can look forward. It's interesting. Mm. Yeah. I'm trying to think, is there any more positives <laughs> other than reinventing yourself? Well, um, yeah, I mean, there have been studies done that
1: show... um well, it, I mean, these studies are usually done with young people. They're usually done with, with students, with, with undergraduates, because they're a good uh, group to sort of recruit for, for studies. And, yeah, that it was found that after a short period of time, um, everyone who'd had a breakup reported around five positive aspects of personal growth, the most popular wow. being that they now had so much more idea. About what they would look for in a yeah. partner, because, like you were saying, um, you can sort of avoid any aspects of of your previous partner that didn't work for you, that you didn't yeah. like. You didn't like him being um, forgetful, so maybe you're going to look for someone who's not forgetful. Yeah. Then, of course, the problem is there's something else that you think. Well, I don't really like this thing about this new person, but can I can I live with that? Can yeah, I tolerate with exactly. that? Exactly, it's that.
0: always the compromise.
1: Isn't <laughs> yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, because nobody nobody's perfect. But there's also a story in the book from a friend of mine who who has worked in uh, PR and writing and the arts and stuff. And she went out with this real bon viveur, this real sort of boozy guy. And she was like, you know, there in her cocktail dress, slinging back all the drinks every weekend. And then when that relationship broke up, she realized, actually, I don't want to be sort of just drinking and in mm-hmm. pubs all the time. and going to get out. Outdoors, out in the world, and she got really, really mega fit. And she became a Team GB triathlete. Wow. And yeah,
0: so, Impressive.
1: <laughs> you know, was all from a breakup. Ditched the cocktail dress. Um, I mean, I'm sure not completely. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for sort of running shoes and the wind and rain and mm-hmm. got out there. Mm-hmm. And so I think it can be a trigger, it can be a catalyst. That's a good word for, for positive change and really yeah. thinking. I think as we touched on earlier, thinking about ourselves and what we
0: need. Yeah, it is a good time to be selfish. I think there's like, (laughs) it's always kind of suggested that being selfish is a negative thing. When actually, I think there are definitely times where you need to be selfish and you need to look after yourself. And it's a great time to do that because you are thinking very inward about what do I want to do? How do I now fill my time? And you can kind of create a whole new routine. Um, around what you actually want to do which is a rarity and I think it's for single people I think it helps to know that that's you know you're not single forever it's kind of like a transitional period I always think and it's the same with relationships it's a fluid status isn't it so actually when you're in that time of being single you can use it wisely and be like you know what this is my time and I might not get it back you just never know (laughs) someone could Tip up tomorrow. So it's a good it's a good time, I think, to be selfish.
1: Yeah. Although, you know, when does being selfish actually turn into self-care? Mm. You know, there's probably a scale of like, actually, I'm just looking
0: after me and looking after myself. Yeah. So this is, if someone has recently gone through a breakup and is thinking about getting back into the dating world, what advice would you give them? Do you think there's an ideal timeline or time frame For this kind of move? I think the timeline is set by you. Mm. Um,
1: I would say don't rush. On uh, the episode of my podcast, we were recording just just this last weekend. A lot of people were talking about rebound relationships and the dangers of those and how we can feel that the best way to get over somebody is get under somebody else. That's an old saying, isn't it? Um, But it often doesn't really work that Well. well.
0: Yeah, because you've not given yourself any time to reflect. And I think then yeah. the, the healing and the sadness comes much later. Yeah, you kind mm-hmm. of just defer it. Yeah. Um, so that- that's definitely harder, I think, because you have less support at yeah. that point. Yeah, because exactly. Whilst you've got the support. Have moved people, on. Like, <laughs> oh my God, let's
1: form a sort of supportive <laughs> yeah. tribe around Katie. Um, <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> you know. I well, Um While you've got that, then... Yeah, use it, lean lean on that support and lean yeah. into it and um, talk to your friends, communicate with them and, you know, listen to them as well. Don't just, you know, <laughs> like we've got some friends, um, my wife and I, well, one friend actually who, yeah, she just talks about her own stuff all the time. Like, how are you? And then it's just a monologue.
0: And yeah. you're like, <laughs> it can't be one way every time. Yeah. <laughs> no, 100%. I noticed even a month later... Um, people are kind of stopped checking in or at least like a lot less frequently because obviously everyone's so busy, they have their own lives. They don't really remember that you've gone through a breakup four weeks prior. Like, that, it's not, it's not on their mind every day, every week, every time they message you. Not like it is for you. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's really important that while you have that early support to really grasp it, and then it's not so random when you know 2 3 months later you're messaging them saying look, i'm having like quite a bad day still having a bad day yeah yeah exactly yeah. it's it feels like they then also have the space to help you out because they knew from yeah. the beginning and they were there at the beginning to help you through it and they can yeah. say look how far you've come you know all those like supposedly helpful things <laughs> yeah
1: yeah but I, I and i guess then after a long longer time passes you also might need a friend to say yeah. you know get why don't you get yourself out there you know like sometimes you need that support in that in that step as well like yeah. i remember i met up with um, when my last uh, relationship previous relationship to this one was was breaking up and that was much more conscious and amicable and you know there's still a, a short time where it, it was painful of course um and you know it's a big change in in your life um but we'd really, I suppose, been unraveling and unwinding the relationship over quite a lengthy period of time. So it was quite a slow breakup. Um I remember meeting up with my ex and kind of saying, oh, you know, like, you know, we have properly broken up now. Um, you know, and how long should I leave it before I, um, before I, you know, go sort of on any dating sites again and stuff. And she was just like, she just kind of looked at her watch and went, about an hour? Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'd really been talking about that breakup and that relationship ending. Mm-hmm. We, we'd been sort of doing the thing for a long, long, long time, a long, yeah. long time. So we were both pretty ready, I suppose, to start thinking about moving forwards. Yeah um, but for, and I know for some people, doing a really slow breakup sounds terrible. It sounds mm-hmm. awful. Um, my friend the comedian Kate Smirthway is just like Ugh. you know, what, yeah. what, what an awful idea. I want it to be ruthless. I, I don't care about being ghosted. I'm finally with... Yeah, like rip the bandaid off kind of <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> um but I I was I was okay with that. Um even though of course there are there are times when it's confusing and when you're like, are we still together? Are we broken up? We're still living together and I'm not sure what the boundaries mm-hmm. are anymore. And you know, we, we were really finding our way with the communication around it as we went along we Even. didn't always do the best job um it gives you a long time to
0: process so which, but it uh, does give yeah. you time to kind of process so yeah it's interesting you mentioned friends actually because i've found it a little bit the opposite where i've found maybe there's a pressure from friends i've had a lot of people say can i help you set up your dating app <laughs> profile for example <laughs> and i have to politely decline and say Oh, you know what? Like, yes, when when I'm at that stage, when you I'm... can help me. But oh, I've had God, honestly like four people. I'm like, what am I going to do? Get you all in a pub, and we can all sit there together. Yeah, well <laughs> that, it's quite fun. But um yeah, I found that was really interesting because I did think I'm comfortable in myself and I know myself well enough to say no, thank you. But I can imagine some people do get a bit pressured by friends that say look do you want to do this do you want to come to this singles event with me yeah i uh, course. Yeah, like yeah. trying to be helpful and lead you into it but then maybe some people feel like they can't actually just say no thank you not not yeah. right now
1: yeah, that's interesting. I think I think for some friends, maybe that's how they feel they can really, really help. They help, yeah, exactly. Because maybe if they're single or they're quite sociable or, mm-hmm. you know, they're really good at writing dating profiles, yeah. <laughs> you know, and- <laughs> they feel they really know you and your good attributes and, you know, yeah, they might sort of think like, yes, that's something practical that I, that I know do. I can help with, whereas the emotional stuff, you know, apart from listening and sort of being a shoulder they're like, I don't know, what, what can I actually do? You know, yeah. or, I don't know. That's interesting. to you as chocolate people, cake or but, something, yeah. you know. But but sometimes it's hard for people to know what they can actually do, whereas perhaps something like helping you sort of get out there and meet new people mm-hmm. would feel like something they know how to do. So maybe that's why people are excited about that aspect of it. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for coming thank on, you. Rosie. It's been yeah, such an interesting discussion. Fun. Yeah, you really helped me <laughs> personally, <laughs> and I'm sure there's so many people going through it. It's interesting because it's actually cuffing season, but I know so many people that have been through breakups. Yeah, I know yeah. the astrology people are very keen on telling me that there's <laughs> all these things in retrograde. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Apparently, it's one of those periods. I don't really follow it, but <laughs> yeah, I, there's so many breakups this this year. Uh, wow, okay. I don't know if it's like a prolonged COVID thing, but yeah, I think it will help a lot of people, and they can they can feel good about reading your book. <laughs> oh, less aww. alone because it really did help me. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> oh well,
1: yeah. I hope if anyone, um, yeah, is going through it, if they do end up reading the book or listening to the audio book that I narrated in a in a much tinier studio than this one, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope I hope that it might provide some comforting chuckles or yeah, some relatable science.
0: I quite like understanding yeah. that it gives you like a rationale for your feelings and I don't know a good basis to to know that you're not alone this is what everyone experiences and feels and it's literally our chemical imbalance that's causing this upset
1: yeah yeah absolutely so yeah I really hope it it might sort of be helpful and help you to put your breakup in in context and
0: feel like you can move forwards and be positive about it <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I hope you found this episode as valuable as I did and you learnt a lot. I certainly did. And as Rosie said, if you want to learn more, you know where to go for the book and you can find all the contact links and everything we've mentioned in the show notes below this episode. Always feel free to DM me about breakups, heartbreaks, anything you want to chat about on Instagram. My DMs are always open at single sounds. And I'll be happy to help you through because I know it's tough. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. I'm sending you all so much love. And next week, I'll be back with another dating expert, but we're really pivoting next week. The highly anticipated episode with Tinder's most swiped right man. And we're going to go through how to ace those matches on the dating apps. So stay tuned and I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Have a great week. Bye.